Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your filthy casual place for all the filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am Dylan Lasagna, and welcome back to another episode of the Icy Yet Spicy Podcast, episode number 128 of this freezing cold podcast. And today, after I had, had some time to reflect, after I had some time to relax after what has been a hectic January, we are here in February. Hopefully, it's less hectic, <laughs> but we had a couple of days off, and now is time, especially after what has been a downer of a conference championship weekend, to reflect. Yes, this episode's all about reflecting, especially when it comes to my team, the San Francisco 49ers, as we put a bow on their 2022 20, uh, season. Yeah, I almost said 2020-22. Yeah, 22,000 years. Of <laughs> I just kid. I kid. But anyway, in all seriousness, we're here to talk about and wrap up the San Francisco 49ers and debrief their their latest season. So pretty much, it's kind of like last year. Um, we're doing pretty much doing a season recap of the 49ers pretty much before any and every other team uh, before the rest of the season uh, recaps to come in on Very Cold Lasagna. Why is that? Well, it's my team. I can do whatever I want, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm doing it. That is how I'm doing it. The 49ers first, and then everyone else is secondary. Now, had the 49ers actually won the Super Bowl, and had they um, you know, actually made it all the way, it would have been the reverse order, you know, as customary. Um, just the same thing had anyone else, you know, team made it to the Super Bowl and won it. They would have started from the bottom to the top. Now you know where it is. I don't know what the name of that song is, but anyway, yeah, I would have done the same for my San Francisco 49ers. Unfortunately, they didn't make it to the end. So here we are for the second straight year. We have to start with them as the very first team. And then when we get to the season recaps, it'll be all 31 teams from there. So anyway, this episode is going to be all about recapping my 49ers and their actually more interesting season than last year's. And what I say more interesting, well, briefly describe it. There was a lot of more drama. There was a lot of more um, intriguing things than last year because last year, um, well, it just felt like um, it was inevitably going to end um, with, well, the limitations that our our, quarter, our certain quarterback situation uh, was going to bring us, and it, it it actually ended up doing. So we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about that as we go deeper and deeper into our main topic of this episode. Uh, first things first, so a little bit of housekeeping. Um, obviously, the next episode, uh, which will be 129, is unfortunately, reluctantly, going to be talking about the Super Bowl uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I say reluctantly because, well, as Niners fans, well, we don't want to, like, we, we really don't want to uh, talk about this. We really want to want to discuss this. I mean, some Niners fans don't. I am one of those. But we have to. Um, we, we cover pretty much the whole league here. So yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to recap it and then move on from it. Yeah. All right. Okay. 
So that'll be the next two episodes, uh, Super Bowl preview and a recap of the Chiefs and the Eagles um, this coming week. And yeah, other than that, like before the, the season recaps, I'm not sure. Maybe an elimination chamber like review, a pay-per-view review, because I am damn intrigued of that storyline. Like, God damn it. But other than that, I'm not really sure um, what to expect um, after the Super Bowl um, and leading up to the season recap month. So anyway, uh, make sure to stay tuned in to Vericold Lasagna. Uh, st- stay plugged into the social media, whether it's on Twitter and Instagram at Vericold Lasagna. Watch or listen to uh, the Vericold Lasagna podcast, wherever you get them. Um, if it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts. Uh, if you're listening to audio, uh, make sure you rate and review it. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Smash the like button. Smash the subscribe. Comment. And, yeah, share it with your friends. Share it with a stranger. Share it with just about anybody. Uh, spread the word about my filthy casual and, yeah, honest opinions on the world of pro wrestling or football or whatever sport I decide to talk about on whenever I get on here. <laughs> so, anyway, let's get into our topic of the day, and that is my San Francisco 49ers and their 2022 season. Um... I gotta say, when I talked about it last summer, uh, I, I was I was kind of intrigued. I was kind of excited because when we went into the off season um, last year, when they lost the NFC Championship game against the Rams, where they had that opportunity to actually go to the Super Bowl and face the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and they didn't. It was kind of gut wrenching. It was it kind of was really gut wrenching because they had that lead. They were on the cusp. Uh, like just a couple minutes away from going um, from going to the Super Bowl in in their enemy in their division rivals uh, stadium, mind you, but they just couldn't, they just kind of got in their own way, um, and their limitations kind of got to them. Uh, Jimmy G uh, kind of really faltered at the end. Uh, the coaching from Kyle Shanahan really got conservative, um, and Jaquasi Hart. Dropped that interception like a plain white interception. Had he not dropped that, then I think that, that the Niners could have sealed it. And and especially considering Cincinnati's offensive line uh, situation at the moment, uh, at that time, I think the Niners could have won that Super Bowl. They, um, maybe they could have been Super Bowl repeat, repeat Super Bowl champions by now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it right that. But anyway, um, this is the now, obviously, and then you you have you went to this off season you went to this uh, season obviously the main thing when I talked about this um, you want to get see what you had in Trey Lance um, you want to see uh, what what you had in a lot of a lot of players uh, how is the defense going to be um, I had some concerns about the offensive line um, because they didn't really humbly invest in that uh, because they lost um, a a good guard in Lincoln Tomlinson, uh, in in the in free agency, and yes, now you're going into year two pretty much with uh, Trey Lance, who didn't really play all that much, only playing like two games in relief of Jimmy G, going one and one. But yeah, despite the offseason work and training camp where he was kind of like so so. Like we're really we're really about to see 
what he was going to look like um, with pretty much no Jimmy G on his back. But oh, wait. Yeah. They didn't. The, the Niners didn't get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo because, well, the, the Niners pretty much found out that Jimmy G was injured for pretty much the duration of their playoff run. And now they find out on the cusp of free agency, on the cusp of the new league year starting, that, well, he's injured. He had to go get surgery, and he got soldier surgery. So now they were stuck with him. They couldn't trade him. They couldn't release him. Otherwise, he was going to get injury guarantees. And they could have released him before um, the roster cut down, but nope, they decided to keep him. So, yeah, that's more money down the drain uh, for the 49ers as they held on to him. But, hey, it is what it is. So now... Trey Lance even had a bigger monkey on his back because, well, Jimmy G was back on the team um, despite not having training camp, not having OTAs and whatnot. But, hey, you go into the season, um, people like me have at least some reasonable expectations, um, hoping that Trey Lance would do good. So you get to the season. Uh, you start off in Chicago playing against the Bears who are in the middle of a rebuild. You got a year or two quarterback also in Justin Fields. Uh, should have been an exciting matchup, right? Well, yeah, Trey Lance did show some uh, solid signs early on. Uh, put a uh, solid throw, throws to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but the problem was, most of the time, they didn't show, uh, look like they were uh, ready to play. Especially the early play calling. Um, had him run the ball way too many times. Like, he was, like, um, Lamar Jackson. Like, what, like, there was a lot of... Too many design runs, just like in in his rookie year in, in Arizona. They were calling a lot. Kyle Shannon was calling a lot of design runs, preventing him from throwing the damn ball. It's like, let him throw. Let him throw. The Bears and and their offensive coordinator, whatever his face was, they're letting Justin Fields throw the ball. And even as the weather got worse, Kyle Shanahan refused to let Trey throw the damn ball, but yet in the worst, as the rain started getting heavier and heavier, they let Justin Fields throw the ball. So what was the problem? They didn't let Trey throw the damn ball. So that amplified the Trey haters, the naysayers, um, and further uh, encouraged the Jimmy G lovers to like, oh, hey, Trey can't play. Let's bring back Jimmy G as the starter. So the Niners lose a stinker to Chicago in a monsoon weather against the Bears in bear weather. Um, so they start 0-1 to the season. And, yeah, the defense also didn't really have a necessarily good performance as they got worn down in bear weather. And, yeah, they also won their season opener, uh, their home opener um, the next week, which I was at. But... It actually got worse for them um, because, you know, despite being the Seahawks um, in kind of blowout fashion, yeah, they lose their starting quarterback, Trey Lance, uh, for the season. He suffered a fractured ankle because of, guess why? Designed quarterback run by Shanahan. Like, you would think that Kyle Shanahan would finally let him throw the damn ball despite more rainy weather. And when I was at that game, yes, it was raining, but not as bad <laughs> as Chicago rain, where it was like heavy, heavy downpour, and not the same rain that you get in in the winter, 
where it's like such a bad downpour that you you want to go inside. And not the same rainy weather that when the Niners played the Colts that Jimmy G was so damn scared to throw the damn ball. Unlike Carson Wentz, he was throwing that damn thing in the rain. But nope, Kyle Shanahan decides to call a QB power run um, between the tackles and then guess what? Trey Lance gets hurt. He gets squashed in between the tackles and he fractures his ankle. So, fuck. So the worst situation kind of comes to fruition and both the players and the fan base, yes, the players were kind of, were, were kind of sucked. Uh, time to see Trey Lance go down, but they were more elated to have the golden boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, back. And, yeah, Jimmy G did um, help the, the Niners lead the way, um, more, more so the running game, though, uh, and the defense to, to that victory against Seattle. But it just went to show that the Niners fan base appreciated Jimmy G more than Trey Lance. And Kyle Shanahan appreciate uh, Jimmy G more than Trey Lance, despite, well, not opening up the playbook for Trey Lance more. All he wanted to do was like, hey, let's treat him like RG3. Let's treat him like Lamar Jackson. Let's make him run the damn ball into the ground until he literally gets ran into the ground. Like, what kind of coach is that? Hmm? Like, I, I still stand by this. I still stand by this. Like, Kyle Shanahan, like, I, if, for as as good as a play caller he, he can be sometimes, I feel like he, he can get his quarterbacks hurt. Especially with an offensive line. It's just like, oh, my God. Well, more on that later. More on that later. So, anyway, Trey Lance is out for the season. Now, you have to turn back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Everyone's excited. Everyone's thinking at that time is like, oh, Jimmy G is going to lead them back to the promised land. Jimmy G. Is going to lead them back to the NFC Championship game and then take them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, pal. Oh, yeah. Jimmy G, with this offense, is going to be electric. And then Jimmy G's return in Denver in primetime was so goddamn awful. Yes, the defense kept the, the Broncos' equally bad offense with Russell Wilson, mind you, in check. But the offense un- literally undid that. All game. They cratered with with Jimmy G. Initially, at least. And you noticed during that game that the offensive line uh, started showing cracks in that game. Mike McGlinchey couldn't block, couldn't pass protect. Um, and then, yeah, there were some growing pains in that in that game as well. But it's it the same time. It was just like, oh, man. It was going to be a reckoning to come um, much later in the season. Notably, the interior and right tackle. And then we all remember, of course, what Jimmy G did in that game. Pulling a damn Norlovsky. So, you go 1-2 and on the season. Yeah, you beat the Rams. You beat the Panthers. I mean, you always beat the Rams. They suck. So, then you you decide to follow that up um, by embarrassingly losing uh, two straight games to the Atlanta Falcons, which they should have won, despite being... um, being up, injured, and then you lose to the Chiefs in blowout fashion. Now, in fairness, like I said, in the Falcons' loss, the Niners dealt with injury woes from the Panthers' game, despite easily beating them. Yet, 
they just Kyle Shanahan decided to keep his starters in with what ten minutes into the game. He was like up big. The Panthers were already down big. Why did he need to keep his starters? I don't know. But all we remember was that they lost starting corner Emmanuel Mosley to a torn ACL. Why? Well, because Kyle Shanahan decided to keep him in there. It made no sense. It really made no sense. They could have put in uh, Amory Thomas or Diamondre Lenore at the time. But no. Shanahan was like, your ass is staying out there. And, well, oops. Uh, when he saw the torn ACL, it was like, oops. So, a, a lot of other players got, a lot of other stars got dinged up in that game. And that's why, well, they lost that Falcons game. Yeah, blown out by Marcus Mariota and the Falcons. And then the Chiefs, the Chiefs game, once most of their players started coming back, um, well, they were less than healthy. But even then, they couldn't, they couldn't find a way to pressure up Patrick Mahomes and the, the their offense, uh, the 49ers offense was just pretty shitty. Yeah, a pretty shitty game. Um, and that that game was actually notable for, well, a trade acquisition that the Niners made prior to the deadline. Personally, well, we're going to talk about this right now. Personally, at the trade deadline, because of what just happened um, in the Falcons game, and, well, even in those wins, there was a little bit of concern there. Personally, they needed to address... The corner spot, either that because of the Emmanuel Mosley injury or the offensive line because, yeah, the right side was very, very inconsistent. Mike McGlinchey could either be a okay ass blocker or he can be really bad with penalties or just flat out missing his assignment. And Spencer Burford on right guard, I mean, he's still kind of growing. Uh, he's, he's still having his... Um, He's still a rookie. He's still growing. But at the same time, you kind of need help for him. Meanwhile, the center position, Jake Brindell, I mean, he's, he's actually okay, but not spectacular. But instead, um, John Lynch elected to trade for Pro Bowl running back uh, Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers. Kind of ironic because uh, you, you know how he is. You know how he plays because, well, um, the Niners just played the Panthers <laughs> literally two weeks. Um, uh, after, uh, before they made the trade. So he's pretty familiar and he's from Stanford. So that was pretty, pretty cool. But in return, they had to give up a chunk of future second and third round picks. And as he got familiar, um, with the playbook, he immediately made his presence felt in week eight in a rematch of the NFC title game against the Rams. And Jimmy G actually had one of his best career games, um, as, the addition of McCaffrey pretty much made the offense a dominant, a dominant uh, quadruplet, quiplet. How do you, however you put it, the offense was just on another level. Now you can either say that, or the Rams were just so beaten up at by that point that they were just god awful. So either way, um, McCaffrey's pref- presence, whether it was as a runner um, outside. Or as a as a receiver, or even as a passer, as a quarterback, was was so into another gear that the Niners ran the Rams out of the building before the bye week, and they seemed like they had all the confidence in the world. And after the bye week, yeah, inconsistency would persist with Jimmy G, 
Um, he would either have like a game where he couldn't move the field or he would have to rely on the running game. But the Niners defensive front, at least, um, which would would have a string of second half shutouts, a string of being able to relentlessly pressure the quarterback, relentlessly sack the quarterback, relentlessly create turnovers, notably, um, n- notably by Nick Boza, who is having a defensive player of the year uh, kind of year and in an interior line that was missing Eric Armstead from for half of the year. But you had that strong rotation um, that had guys like Kerry Hyder, Charles Amenuhu, Samsu Ebicom, Drake Jackson. So when you had that uh, defensive front, it was that was that was so strong. I mean, it was keeping you in games and it was forcing opposing quarterbacks into mistakes. So they went on this four game winning streak. Um, heading into a big Week 13 matchup against the Miami Dolphins, but unfortunately uh, for the Niners, it seemed like they were gonna their season was really gonna derail. The season was really gonna fall off a cliff uh, by that point, and not even to the first quarter of that game against the Dolphins because well, they would lose yet another quarterback. They would lose Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, first much as I trash Jimmy uh, Jimmy G. It's like it really was a downer. It really was was shit when he went down to a season-ending foot injury. So now that was awful to see. Um, they they lost Jimmy G on a sack sandwich on the opening play on the opening drive. Um, but it's like the pass like I said, the pass protection was awful. Pass protection has been had been awful um, pretty much all, uh, all year up to that point. And now, with nowhere else to turn um, in that game, Kyle Shanahan was pretty much forced to call upon his third-string quarterback. And who is that third-string quarterback? The very last pick of the 2022 NFL Draft. Rookie, Mr. Irrelevant. What was his name? Can I ring some bell? Oh, yeah. How's the problem? Oh, oh, I guess it's Paul Hamer's new client. Oh, his, his, his new Mr. Irrelevant. It's the new, no, not not so tribal chief, Brock Purdy. Yeah, uh, Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, but he actually has some starting experience. Um, uh, what school? I, I don't remember what school, but either way, I'm sorry. Should have should have kind of remembered that. But anyway, Brock Purdy actually had some starting experience, um, despite being the very last pick in the NFL draft, and it kind of it it showed. Early on, stepped up real nicely despite constant pressure in his face, barely in a protection from his offensive line. And you saw early um, and often in that Dolphins game, a huge difference from Purdy and Jimmy G was Purdy's willingness to go outside the pocket, be more aggressive downfield, throw it into some really tight windows to um, his receivers despite his lack of arm strength and these real off off the cusp throws like his, his willingness to not give up on the plate, even though he kind of should, but yeah, that game, the defense really helped them out. And yeah, they, they won a big blowout win against Tua and the dolphins. And yeah, some people would like would say that, Oh, it was just a fluke win. Purdy came in, uh, the defense won it for him. And yeah, in fairness, that was true. 
But now with Jimmy G out for the season as well, along with Trey Lance, who was already out, yeah, suddenly Mr. Irrelevant was about was it was relevant. And now going into a big game, week 14, against, well, a guy that was one of the best to ever do it. A seven-time Super Bowl champion, hometown, hometown kid, Tom Brady. Brock Hardy was about to face already a, a tall task to trying down Tom Brady and, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And surprisingly, he outdueled them. He outdueled Brady. And yeah, I guess in fairness, Brady is not in his best year. It wasn't was not in his best year in his what I guess because a final year now. So he also he played against an incomplete Bucks defense and didn't have all of his starters and some of its reserves. So, but either way, he made an already strong Niners offense even more dangerous and made a really good first impression. And the defense really let Brady suck. Um, and see, they gift drafted him, uh, them free turnovers one after the another, into another surprising blowout win that wrapped up the three game homestand. So the Niners suddenly on a roll, suddenly looked even better than before on offense. And that spotlight on Purdy continued to shine as they went into Seattle for a big Thursday night matchup with an opportunity uh, to seal the NFC West uh, in Seattle. And Purdy continued to, despite not having as well as a performance against the Bucks, hey, he, he did what he needed to do. Um, Came up in clutch to seal the game alongside Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Mason um, to clinch the NFC West um, in Seattle, mind you. Their first win, uh, first division clinching title win in Seattle since 2011. Uh, no, 2019, but their first season sweep since 2011. Um, and now the focus from that point on was to play for the number two seed. Um, and they did have an opportunity to clinch the number two, number one seed from Philadelphia, but um, obviously the main goal was getting Brock Purdy postseason ready. Um, by that point, he only had played uh, two two games, and one of them was a meaningful game in Seattle. So the rest of the way, sure, you want to get want to get that number one seed, but also um, at the same time, you want to make sure that Brock Purdy's ready for any any kind of situation that. Somebody seems like the Cowboys, that the Eagles, um, hell, even other other wild card teams like Giants could present to you. So, um, the biggest example was that was the New Year's Day matchup against the Jared Stidham Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Niners had a shit ton of t- trouble um, defensively on how to stop Stidham, who was filling in for Derek Carr because, well, Carr was well on his way out. Um, <laughs> Like they're either gonna trade him or release him. Um, they shut him down for the season. But Purdy stepped up well in adversity. Um, granted that Raiders defense is not that great. Um, but he did well. Um, often finding his guys, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey. Um, but the defense really started showing its lapses in against mobile quarterbacks, against the deep ball. Um it got yeah, it showed it showed its flaws um, if they can't get in coverage right, if there wasn't pressure. But luckily in overtime, um, Nick Boza got that turnover, uh, got that clutch clutch pressure to force a turnover and got them a step closer uh, to clinching the number two seed, which they did against the hapless Cardinals 
at home. So the Niners ended their season uh, 13-4, and four, clinched the number two seed um, at the uh, in the NFC playoffs. Now, honestly, they could have been the number one seed um, in the NFC, but yeah, those losses to the Bears, those losses to the Broncos, those losses to the Falcons added up. They really added up, up at the end of the day. Um, especially considering that, well, yeah, that Atlanta loss, that could have helped that if had they won that game, it could have made a difference. It really could have made a difference. Um, it really could have made a difference for the 49ers, um, in tie breaking scenarios, um, for at the end of the day, but either way, yeah, at least the, the Niners got two play home playoff games. Um, they need some things to go their way. Um, for for playoff matchups uh, after the wild card game because well the wor- well for some people the worst thing that could have happened was to face Philadelphia in the NFC title game in Philadelphia and you know some bad things to happen over there oh oh you, you just wait you just wait so uh, the playoffs the Niners going in. Um, the number two seed, the, the hottest team in the NFL, uh, one of them at least. And the playoffs were always expected to be a challenge, a different animal um, for the Brock Purdy-led Niners. Um, and at the same time, you know, they needed to be ready at all aspects. But they didn't feel that way um, in the first half of that wildcard game against the Seahawks. At least for Purdy, it was understandable. Uh, he only started five and a half games uh, um, in, in like like late in the season and well it was his first playoff game he was only a rookie he was the last pick in the nfl draft and yeah when you saw him like throw a lot of rushed balls the the offensive line was collapsing around him it was and yeah he was making a lot of very quick decisions and albeit or kind of poor ones it's kind of understandable it's kind of understandable where it was coming from but yeah, the rest of the team, though, like the offensive line, the defense, allowing DK Metcalf and Kenneth Walker to easily attack them, and D- Geno Smith, too. Yeah, that, that was unacceptable. That was unacceptable. But, you know, Charles Omenhu forcing a red zone turnover in the third quarter, that sparked the tide. That sparked the change the Niners needed. They outscored Seattle 18-6. Both sides uh, got another gear for the 49ers. And they pounded the pudding out of, out of the Seahawks and boat raced them out of out of the playoffs. So Niners went on to face the Cowboys in a divisional round because, well, the Bucks absolutely were terrible in in their wild card game. So, and then the Giants, well, they 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 beat the the Brakes out of the Vikings in a close one because, well, the Vikings had no defense, so they got a trip to Philadelphia. And easily uh, got their shit canned in by the Eagles. So this game between the Niners and the Cowboys was going to decide who was going to face the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And man, this was Purdy's biggest test yet. He was facing a top five defense with a very strong pass rushing unit. However, the key was here. This Dallas team was coming off a very short week. Um, they were playing the Monday night game to close out a uh, Super Wildcard weekend. And they didn't have much time to to rest up. They didn't have much time to practice. So they were pretty much 
going in just like head on. And as expected, despite all that, the offensive line had a very difficult time containing that uh, Cowboys uh, strong pass rushing unit. Purdy had a lot of difficult time uh, getting throws in. But fortunately for the 40, uh, for the 49ers and their defense, the defense, again, came in strong and crumbled Dak Prescott under pressure. They forced two turnovers, um, and they managed to hold on to some weird shenanigans by the Cowboys. And they went on to they went on to advance to their second consecutive NFC title game. But you know, unlike last year, where they were seen as at least an opportunist against the Rams, this this time around against the Philadelphia Eagles, they were seen as no given no chance at all. And that's because well. Despite being as well balanced as the Philadelphia Eagles, the one main advantage was the quarterback. Jalen Hurts, uh, more well-rounded, had an MVP candidate-like year compared to Brock Purdy. Only, what, six and a half starts and not much uh, not much experience under his belt. Um, and well, unfortunately for the 49ers, it ended up exactly that way. Except entirely for different reasons. The the two big keys of the game in that title game were Kyle Shanahan failing to challenge a well while impressive a one handed Devontae Smith catch on fourth down a deep ball that ended up being incomplete and then on the 49ers very first offensive series of the game Kyle Shanahan decided to have backup tight end Tyler Koff tried to block one of the top pass rushers in Hassan Reddick, and yeah, guess where this is headed. When that failed miserably, Purdy got his throwing arm hit by Reddick, and when that caused a fumble, Purdy was taken to the blue tent. He was never um, he was never put back in the game. He stayed on the sideline for the rest of the first half, forcing the 49ers to go with their fourth and final quarterback, Josh Johnson. So, Purdy suffered an apparent elbow injury in his throwing arm. So, rather than stick with uh, with Mike McGlinchey, or at least have both McGlinchey and Croft block Reddick, Shanahan decided to have his backup tight end that can't block try to go against one of the best pass rushers on in the, in the Eagles. So as a result, Shanahan again got one of his quarterbacks hurt, and yeah, it can. In fairness, it also be, can be, oh, already got himself hurt, but it was the play design too. So from there, the Niners basically had no chance. The defense at least put up a fight. They pretty much um, limited the Eagles' air attack. Jalen Hurts didn't really do much after that uh, big, uh, long bomb catch to Devontae Smith. It was pretty much the running game. Of the Eagles that that did the damage, and ref ball showing clear and obvious bias towards the Eagles, and the Niners' frustrations boiling so bad um, toward because of the ref ball. Josh Johnson also got knocked out of the game with a concussion, so that forced Brock Purdy to come back in and pretty much hand the ball off. The Niners' offense couldn't do anything. So it's not like I said; it wasn't like you can't do it like Mutant Football League where. If you run out of quarterbacks, you automatically forfeit the game. I guess the referees, the NFL, were like, nope, 
you don't get a forfeit option. You don't get an automatic forfeit L. You have to you have to let the Philadelphia Eagles sink it in. You have to let it drag out until the game is officially over. So, yeah, the season for the 49ers eventually ended with Trent Williams getting ejected, a big fight happening. And, well, the overall season for the 49ers ended even worse than it did last year against the Rams in a kind of blowout-ish and gut-wrenching loss in a disappointing one to the Philadelphia Eagles, an injury-riddled one. And, yeah, they were sent home packing yet again. So, when I look at this overall season for the 49ers, you know, they actually had a really good shot at winning the Super Bowl. You know, had they stay healthy though, had they had their quarter, had they not had this quarterback conundrum, Trey Lance could have provided some upside for the Niners' offense. The more he played, um, and also had been the play calling been better, not like Kyle Shanahan trying to make him like RG three or Lamar Jackson 5.0 and not running him into the ground, like running him between the tackles so damn much, like he constantly had. And then, obviously, Jimmy G, while for as inconsistent and as much as I rag on him, he actually did have a pretty solid year. Um, and the addition of Christian McCaffrey really did him wonders. Um, I got to admit I gotta admit that. Um, it's just... Yeah, again, unfortunate that he really, he got hurt as well. And then obviously the biggest story of the year is Brock Purdy. Um, he is Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, but he had a lot more starting experience than Trey Lance did. And he managed to take the offense to another level, make them even more threatening um, despite a, a flaw in his arm strength. So Purdy has shown he can be a serious challenger to Trey Lance at the starting spot. The only thing is, is that how long is he going to be out? How long is his recovery time going to be from that? Um, what ended up being a UCL, like a an elbow injury that baseball players often suffer. So how long is he going to be out? And then for as kind of iffy as they've been with the Christian McCaffrey trade, it's definitely paid off. It's more than paid off. Um, you know, the only thing I was kind of like iffy about the, the Christian McCaffrey trade was his health the last uh, couple of seasons. But he has managed to stay healthy. He's managed to um, um, manage his like his minor injuries. And obviously, he was recently in the Pro Bowl. So that, that was a good sign. I mean, I guess him playing in the Pro Bowl uh, briefly. Um I just wish Kyle Shan keeps him like playing him as a receiver and as a runner outside outside the tackles. And then Brandon Ayuk, one of the standout players, one of the go-to targets, um, aside from McCaffrey. And George Kittle really had himself a resurgent year late in the season, um, which was further amplified by um, the emergence of Purdy. And then def- defensively, um, notably the front seven was pretty damn good. Um, it's just, well, unfortunate that, well, if Nick Boza, <laughs> even though he was pretty much a one man wrecking crew. Yeah. Nick Boza was when he got, he got like doubled up. Well, where was the rest of the pass rush? Uh, and I just wish that 
they use Drake Jackson more, and hopefully he works more on this conditioning um, during the offseason. And then, yeah, overall, it was just very unfortunate that they weren't given a fair shot in the NFC title game, uh, especially that was for Amplified with Brock Purdy's injury. And now we're just left with one big what if. Like, had Purdy not gotten injured, the defense stayed disciplined, uh, things gone more gone more of their way, Kyle Shahan challenged that play call. Like, even if he didn't get the right angle, angle on the big screen, I think they would have actually gotten a shot at upsetting the Eagles. Because, uh, just like I said, with the defense, after, since after that first uh, giving up uh, deep shot, they didn't let Jalen Hurts do shit in the air after that. Like, literally, they didn't let him do shit after after that uh, big bomb to Devontae Smith. Now, is that guaranteed that they would they would have? No, but they found a key to success for that. He was pretty much overthrowing his, his guys after that with relentless pressure and actually gave the Chiefs an idea of how to contain him. So overall, it was a it was it was a, it was a kind of successful season for the 49ers, and I say kind of successful because yes, they went 13 to four, they won the division, but it was just a very disappointing way um, to end to end their season on a very down note in the NFC title game with the injuries um, to Purdy and Josh Johnson, and. They had a good shot to win it all, and it's just unfortunate that those injuries went went against them. Now, looking ahead to their offseason, um, they have some things that, actually a lot of things, um, that needs to be addressed. Um, obviously, the thing that, that's been breaking around around them is, well, their, def- their defensive coordinator. They don't have a different coordinator at this time because, well, their former one, D'Amico Ryans, is now in Houston, back with this old team, the Texans. Why is that? Well, he's their new head coach for our six years. Like, that's insane. He's kind of insane for that. So, either way, um, now the Niners are going to have to find uh, D'Amico Ryans' successor, um, whether it's in-house or somewhere like outside the organization but so the Niners gotta find someone whether it's Steve Wilkes or Chris Koshek um, those are the names that have been thrown around um, but either way um, if they fit the system or as long as they're good as good as Robert Sala and D'Amico were then that's fine with me um, in terms of free agency and the draft well the Niners have around 16 million dollars to spend it's not a lot because, well, they gave these big, fat contracts um, <laughs> in, the, in the last several years. Um, and, well, they're pretty much near near the red. So that leaves them with barely any cap space left. And they have a lot of decisions to make. They have a lot of decisions to make. Some of those unrestricted free agents include Jimmy Garoppolo, offensive lineman Daniel Brunskill, Center Drake Brendel, tackle Mike McGlinchey, defensive end Sense with Ebcom, Kerry Hyder Jr. and Charles Amenuhu, safety Jimmy Ward, corner Emmanuel Mosley, and kicker Robbie Golden. And then you have an exclusive rights free agent in receiver Juwan Jennings. So, 
yeah, you got a lot of free agents here coming up um, next month. So for the Niners, um, those are a lot of key free agents right there. Yes, there's another extensive list, but in my opinion, these are the key uh, people that um, I see in my mind that the Niners are going to try to like see um, worth keeping. Now, in terms of their other needs to address, obviously the top need, aside from finding a defensive coordinator to replace Amico Ryans, is the offensive line. Because the offensive line was so damn putrid. Because it was Trent Williams and Aaron Banks on the left, and that's it. Drake Brendel, I mean, he was okay. And Spencer Burford, I mean, again, still a rookie. But McGlinchey was awful. Especially in pass protection. Run blocking was alright. Pass protection was awful. It's time to find better options out there. Um, their center, Bradley Bozeman. Um, right tackles, George Fant or Jawan Taylor. And guard, J.C. Davis. If they're there for the right price, go grab them. Um, if they're not, if neither of them are there, find someone in the draft. Either way, the Niners got to invest big in the offensive line so they can protect their quarterbacks, whether it's Trey or Brock. Because... These injuries to the quarterback position cannot keep happening in the last couple of years. That's been happening. It just can't. Meanwhile, speaking of quarterback, you got to find a backup quarterback while Brock Purdy's out. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, Kyle Shannon and John Lynch said in their exit presser that he could be he could be out for six months. I mean, that's good. At least he's, he could be out for training camp. But you don't know um, what option that have which could be the worst case scenario like Tommy John surgery which is like nine months to a year and then the recovery on top of that so that's the worst case scenario then the Niners are going to have to bring in a reliable backup option to go alongside Trey Lance while Brock Purdy is recovering names like Taylor Heineke, Mike White Andy Dolan, hell even Baker Mayfield should be all on the Niners radar now, remember, these aren't people that will be competing with Trey Lance to be the starter uh, during the offseason program in training camp, unless Trey Lance really struggles. These are just named to to sit behind Lance and, yeah, just in the event that he gets hurt again because, well, of the incompetency of the Niners not providing any damn protection on the offensive line. That's purely that. And then... Obviously, the big talk is around Nick Boza and his contract extension. A lot of it's going to depend on how much he wants. A lot of it's going to depend on how much he wants and when it gets done. So, as long as they reach a contract extension with Nick Boza, hopefully it's not too much. I'm good with it. I am good with it. And then you got to find another edge rusher opposite Nick Boza. And, yeah, we have Drake Jackson. Um, and maybe you could re-sign Sam and, Samson Ebicom. But I, I feel like hopefully Drake Jackson improves his conditioning. Or even then, maybe you can find someone in the draft um, to go alongside Boza and then rotate between Jackson and that rookie uh, edge rusher. Find somebody. Because Nick Boza needs help. He can't do it by himself. Um, and that includes the inside, in the interior defensive line. Get a defensive tackle. Um, 
because, well, Javon Kinlaw has proven that he can't stay healthy, and he even when he is on the field healthy, he can't produce. Just look at the tape of how abysmal he was during the NFC title game against the Eagles. He he couldn't get he couldn't get the Jalen Hurts. He's just like whiffing around. So anyway, the Niners can look towards the draft and in investing at the interior uh, defensive line, at least depth wise, as well as the cornerback position. Um, maybe uh, re-signing Emmanuel Mosley. They can get him on a cheap deal since uh, he tore his ACL. Maybe he wants to also get a cheap deal to prove uh, to prove himself uh, to the Niners or to other teams uh, next next offseason. So maybe he takes a cheap deal, but I don't know. But either way, you want to make sure you have at least some depth behind himself. Uh, either himself or whatever starting spot that's opposite Charveris Ward, who also could use some help um, in terms of depth. The Emojie Lenore was solid, but not spectacular in coverage, especially in the playoffs. Amy Thomas, you didn't see much of him on the field. And then they also drafted Samuel Womack. I mean, he had some flashes, but he was mainly used on special teams. I would like to see him more um, in the rotation um, next season. Perhaps they could find a gem or two in the later rounds when they pick, and then they start having a competition on who could be behind Ward and Emmanuel Mosley if he resigns, or maybe who could be the starting corner um, if Mosley doesn't resign. But either way, they could certainly use some depth um, at the interior defensive line and the cornerback spot because, yeah, for as good as that defense was um, in 2022, their passing defense, their passing attack, uh, their the passing defense, especially downfield, was really poor. They they could not stop um, down downfield receivers. It was that bad. So overall, I mean, to end this episode, the Niners were they actually like I said they did have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, even with the third string quarterback in Brock Purdy, who could have made history. He could have been the first Mister Relevant, the first last pick in the NFL draft to go to the Super Bowl and actually had a chance, could have had a chance to win the Super Bowl, whether it was against the Chiefs or against the Bengals. Is it too much of a stretch of imagination? Not really, even against Patrick Mahomes. But either way, they had an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl and potentially win it. It's, again, just unfortunate that Brock Purdy got hurt. Now, you don't know if if and when he's going to be back. I mean, yeah, he will be back, but when will he be back? Is it going to be six months, a year? Who knows? And then now you have questions about, well, Trey Lance. Can he stay healthy? He'll be ready by uh, OTAs. But the question will be, can he stay healthy? And obviously, you have a lot more things to be worry about too besides the quarterback offensive line finding a defensive coordinator extending nick boza all of which you have little cast six for and not a whole lot of draft picks too sure you're getting compensatory picks but that's late in day two and then the rest of day three the niners have at least done a good job at finding some gems in the late later rounds of the draft but this this offseason, they really need to nail it because, yeah, 
Yeah. There's there's literally not really many coaches in in the league that can replace Kyle Shanahan, but at some point in time, at, at some point in time, like you really have to start thinking and wondering, like, like, is Kyle Shanahan, like, can Kyle Shanahan finally lead us, lead the Niners to a Super Bowl a victory in the next, in the next couple of years, eventually? I mean, it's going to happen eventually, right? Because we keep getting to the NFC Championship game, but it's like, well, it's just like too close, but no cigar. So there's some again, there's some things that I like about Kyle Shan, but it's just like, well, we're just not close enough. So at some point in time, it's just like you really have to think about it. But overall, I mean, it's still a much better and more exciting season than last year was. It's just again unfortunate that it ended the way it did, but. It is what it is now, and hopefully the Niners will... What is that saying that Seth Rollins always says, like, back in the day? Redesign, rebuild, and reclaim. Hopefully, next season will be a much better one. So, anyway, that is your San Francisco 49ers of the 2022 season. Putting a bow, putting a wrap on everything regarding the 2022 49ers. So... Yeah, that's pretty much it for my coverage of the 49ers for this uh, for this season. Pretty much for now, un- unless you know some crazy crazy thing um, happens with them in the off season, free agency. Obviously, we'll be doing some draft stuff with them. But until then, I'm pretty much done talking about the 49ers. Um, um, again, unless some crazy shit happens <laughs> with the with the organi- with the 49ers. But obviously, we're not done talking about the NFL. Um, there's still some things to to settle. But the Niners are pretty much finito until, um, yeah, the the draft and other stuff this offseason. But anyway, this is Dylan Lasagna, a very cold lasagna. And let me know your thoughts on how my how the 49ers uh, did this season. And let me know how you think they'll do this offseason and next season. And in the long-term future. I'd like to know your input on them, whether you're a fan of them or not. So anyway, this is Dylan Lasagna, a very cold lasagna, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 128 of this icy yet spicy podcast. And keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. And until next time, peace out.